January of 1985, American punk rock band Husker Du released their third studio album, New Day Rising. This Minneapolis trio played savagely emotional hardcore punk, creating a roar as if a garbage truck was trying to sing Beach Boys songs. The anthems on this album were an inspiration to many in the alternative rock genre to come. Welcome to the 500 Albums Podcast, where we go through the Rolling Stones' top 500 list of greatest albums of all time, as selected by a panel of musicians, music critics, and journalists, and published by Rolling Stone magazine in 2003. My name is Irvin, and today we're looking at number 487 on the list, New Day Rising by Husker Du. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the 500 Albums podcast. We're back again after a bit of a break. I had some issues with my computer, but uh, thankfully those are fixed right now. And it made me able now to work faster. So hopefully that would be positive for the future. First of all, I would like to thank you for listening, even in these weeks that I haven't published a new episode. It's still nice to see that, um, that people are listening and uh, following the podcast so thank you very much for that today we're looking at husker du a very influential band especially within the alternative rock and punk genre um i was aware of this band but i'm not as aware with their music necessarily or their repertoire and i knew they had a big importance in the genre but i didn't quite know why but it's really nice to do a deep dive into their music and i actually really liked some of their music um, i'm also a very big fan of alternative rock and punk and especially pop punk that started within the mid 90s and since husker du has been a very big influence on artists that came up during that time it was really cool to see what what their inspiration is uh, the first encounter i had with husker du was a cover that green did of don't want to know if you're lonely besides that i also knew the singer and guitarist Bob Mould, from his collaboration with the Foo Fighters on their record Wasting Light. As always, we're looking first at the artist, where they came from, how they started out, what their inspirations are, kind of have a broad stroke of what, um, what kind of genre they're playing, what kind of music they're playing. Then we're going to look at some of their earlier releases, look at the time surrounding the album, so what was happening in their area, what was happening in the genre. Then we're going to look at the actual album, we're going to look at how they recorded it, we're going to look at some of the music and the songs on the album, and after that we'll look at the aftermath. So yeah, let's get into it. Oscar Du was an American punk rock band from St. Paul, Minnesota. The band was officially formed in 1979 by vocalist and guitarist Bob Mould, vocalist and drummer Grant Hart, bassist Greg Norton and the keyboardist Charlie Pine. At the time when they started out the band was named Buddy and the Returnables. And the band members met each other at different record stores, uh, most notably the record store Cheapo Records. This is where Hart and Norton worked at. The members quickly bonded after Mould had moved to this area 
over their musical taste and especially Hart and Mold both loved the Ramones and they could find each other very well in this subject matter. So the band decided to form and they started rehearsing all sorts of covers but because of their interest mostly Ramones songs of course. And this is also kind of where their style of music came from but we'll get more into that. The band soon changed their name to Husker Du as they were rehearsing the song Psycho Killer by the Talking Heads. And in this song there's a part where the band sings some French words. Now since Husker Du could not remember which French words to sing, instead they just started shouting out random foreign words they could remember. And funnily enough, one of them was the name of a memory game called Husker Du which is Danish and Norwegian for do you remember? Kind of fitting for lyrics they could not remember. <laughs> now the band liked this name or this phrase so much that they decided to change their band name. But this time they also added umlauts to the use to make it a bit more mysterious and a bit more metal. Now during these rehearsals the band figured out that they actually liked the sound better without the keyboards. So unbeknownst to the keyboardist Pine, the rest of the band would start rehearsing without him. And as they did, they also started writing some original songs and did not only play covers. So shortly after that, during their first performance on March 30th of 1979, the rest of the band decided to fire the keyboardist Pine and continue as a trio under their new name. Bob Mould, the singer and guitarist, would later say that he did not consider Husker Du a real band until they had played the Jay's Longhorn Bar. And the Longhorn, as it was called in the scene there, was the epicenter of the punk scene in Minneapolis at the time. Now of course St. Paul and Minneapolis are referred to as the Twin Cities. They started frequenting the area here and by 1980 they had become a staple in the music scene. They also started developing more of their own sound and writing more of their own music. And as they went on, their sound moved into a faster and heavier direction, making them one of the first hardcore punk bands in this area. And because of their unique style, at least within the area, they quickly gained notoriety. And not only in the area, but also in the punk scene in general. And they eventually also went on tour with bands such as Black Flag and the Dead Kennedys that were not from this area but did play the same kind of music. Their collaboration with these bands even went as far as uh, Husker Du being signed to the label of Black Flag's Greg Jin SST Records. But we'll get more into that a bit later. Now as I mentioned the sound of Husker Du was evolving into something very fast and heavy even described as ferocious and raw. And according to the band, this style developed as they were giving less time to play, but they still wanted to play as many songs and as much of their repertoire as possible. So they just started playing faster and more ferocious in a way. Now this style was inspired by other bands such as DOA, Dead Kennedys and The Farts. But something that made Husker Du stand out compared to other acts within the hardcore punk scene was their incorporation of more melodic elements, especially seen somewhat later in their career. 
and Grant Hart also described Husker Du's approach to older music being different than some of the other bands at the time. He said, quote, You know the whole deal with tearing down the old to make room for the new? Well, music isn't city planning. Unquote. Now over their career, Husker Du have released six albums, but they split up in 1987 during their tour. And even they did not exist for a very long time, they still had an immense impact on the alternative music genre, especially with their unique musical style, and also showing that you don't have to be from a big city, such as New York or Los Angeles or San Francisco, to get the attention and become very popular. And we'll look more at that later when we get into the aftermath. But before we do that, let's look at some of Husker Du's previous work before the release of New Day Rising. And it all starts in 1981 when they released their first single, Statues. And this song was also backed with the song Amusement. Now, if you listen to these two songs, they are not really, they're not really in line with their later work as they have a bit more of a post-punk direction. Not as fast, not as ferocious, but still somewhat melodic, so I guess you could say that is still a connection to their music from later on. But this initial release was a moment for the band to really experiment and find their own sound. And this sound that they had is also shown on their first full-length live album. It's also their first full-length album in general. Because as they were finding their sound and playing a lot of shows, they released a live album called Land Speed Record in early 1982. And in complete contrast to their first single, this album was filled with the straightforward hardcore songs that you would expect from a band within this scene. And it was a bit void of these melodic elements that we saw in their singles. And the title of this album, Land Speed Record, can of course refer to their fast playing, as they managed to fit 17 songs on a record of 26 and a half minutes. That's completely crazy, but it was normal within that scene, of course. Now, another year passed as the band was touring. In January of 1983, Husker Du released their actual debut studio album, Everything Falls Apart. And they did this on their own Reflex Records. And the style on this album was somewhat like their previous album, Fast, Ferocious, clocking in at only 19 minutes and 22 seconds. Now this album received praise within this scene and the band's regular touring caught the attention of SST Records, the label of Black Flag's Greg Jin. And SST Records decided to sign them. So, on this label, they followed up with an EP or a mini album as it was only a minute or two minutes shorter than their previous full-length album. And this EP was called Metal Circus. And this EP already showed a bit more evolution within their style, already gaining more of that melodic approach. Somewhat combining their first single with their fast and ferocious playing of the live album and their debut. And this EP actually gained some airplay on college radio. And the song that especially stands out is Diane. 
which was later covered and popularized by the band Therapy. Now, around the time of this release, the members of the band wanted to create something outside of the traditional hardcore confines. And Bob Mould would describe this in a 1983 interview as follows. Quote, We're going to try to do something bigger than anything like rock and roll and the whole puny touring band idea. I don't know what it's going to be. We have to work that out but it's going to go beyond the whole idea of punk rock or whatever." End quote. And they really took this to heart for their follow-up album, Zen Arcade. And in 1984, they released this concept album, and it was truly a different direction for the band. And it was really a left turn within the hardcore punk genre. First of all, this album is a double album twice as long as any of their previous releases. Secondly, as I said, it's a concept album. And it follows a storyline instead of just being a collection of songs. And this album is often considered one of the greatest rock albums of all time. And I'm honestly surprised that this is not on this list as it was a big inspiration for other acts to record their own concept albums or their own rock operas in a way. Commercially, this album was also a big success, opening up for more opportunities and also the wishes of the band to do more and get more control over their own work. Once again, we'll get more into that later on. So before we get too far into the album, let's look at the time surrounding the album's release. Starting out with what was happening in the area that the band was from, the Twin Cities, or Minneapolis and St. Paul in Minnesota. In the 60s and 70s, the cities saw a decline in the city's population and financial situation. But in the 80s, however, the city was seeing a bit of an increase in their economy and population being cited as former Rust Belt cities that had made a successful transition to service high technology, finance, and information economies. Now this gloomy past in the 60s and 70s might have inspired the youth in the 80s for their own music. And it's not only this period of time, but it's also worth noting that the climate of this geographical area is known for its harsh and long winters. And according to Bob Mould, this forced a lot of people to stay inside to form bands, to play shows inside, rehearse, write songs, write music. And he also attributed this to their own pace of writing music as they released a lot of work within a short period of time. Now, if we look at this music, this musical style that Husker Du could be categorized as, we could say that they mostly fit within the hardcore punk genre. And this genre came to prominence by the end of the 70s and early 80s, 
when punk music went back underground and as it was removed from the mainstream it became faster ferocious more distorted less melodic in a way angrier it originated within big cities an example of this and notable pioneers within the genre were black flag who originated from southern california the surroundings of los angeles and the founding member greg jinn also founded sst records the label that husker du was later signed onto now, as I said, the genre was mostly upcoming within the bigger cities, such as Los Angeles, San Francisco, New York, Washington DC, and Boston. However, there were also some smaller scenes that quickly gained more attention in the Midwest, including Minneapolis, the area that Husker Du is from. Now, besides hardcore punk, there were also early signs of the alternative rock scene surrounding the time of this album, or at least the alternative rock scene as we know it today. And the artists within the genre were also somewhat underground, but embraced melodies more and acoustic elements or folky elements. And especially college radio would give this kind of music a lot of airplay and popularized it within the youth, which then in turn gave the youth at these colleges their own chance of creating their bands. Now, one of the most prominent artists in the genre was the band R.E.M., who started out in the 80s and started gaining a lot of traction, a bit more underground during this time, but later grew to a great mainstream success, especially in the 90s. So now that we got all that background information out of the way, we can look at the album itself. Because as the relatively successful and boundary-pushing Zen Arcade was released, Husker Du were already looking ahead to what they should do next. And SST Records recognized that Zen Arcade would be a big success, and they immediately requested a new album from them. And when they were asked if the follow-up record would take things even further, Bob Mould responded with, quote, No way. Not at all. This album is more like Landspeed Records than Zen Arcade." Unquote. So they wanted to go back to somewhat more straightforward songs instead of this great concept they had created before. Now as I mentioned briefly before, the band saw some success with their previous record. So they felt like they deserved a bit more creative freedom. But the record label thought otherwise. And the band became frustrated with them. Because first of all, SST Records could not keep up with the sales of their previous record and the label refused to let the band self-produce on this new album. Instead, the label insisted that the band use their own in-house producer and engineer that also worked on some of their previous records. And his name is Spot. Now, Grant Hart later described this his resentment for the label and the way that Spot worked with the band and their longtime collaborator and engineer Steve Fjellstedt. And he said, quote, SST decided that we were not to be the masters of our own destiny. And they sent Spot to babysit slash spy slash sabotage our record. For example, he did not give Steve Fjellstedt the respect he deserved, treating him as an assistant. 
Another thing I remember was not being allowed to make my own choices as far as redoing vocals that I thought I could do better. End quote. Now, I will say that this frustration and friction and the unpolished vocals and instrumentals have led to some great moments on his record. But still, the band was not entirely happy with it. And during this time, Bob Mole and Grant Hart would also develop an unspoken rivalry between them. As they tried to outperform each other, and as they were both the main contributors as songwriters within the band, they were trying to write better songs than the other and get more of their own songs on the record. And they would have strong opinions on certain elements of each other's songs. Now this rivalry and friction might have also been fueled by the drugs that the band were using at this time, such as speed and alcohol. Now if we look at a bit more practical stuff around this album, such as the name and the cover, the name obviously lends itself to the opening track, but to some it also had another meaning of a new day rising after the cold and harsh winter of January 1985, the time when the album was released. Now the album cover features a picture that was taken by Grant Hart at Hidden Beach, or better known as Cedar Lake East Beach in Minneapolis. Hart would describe the story behind the picture sometime later. Quote, I went to buy a bag of pot, and when I got to my dealer's house, there was a tow truck stealing a Vespa scooter. I told the people inside what was going on, and a pretty woman said it was hers. I didn't know her, but I figured that if I helped her, I might get a ride on her Vespa. It cost about 150 bucks to free the bike, and we went for a ride. And as time and the record went on, I spent a lot of time with this woman, Kristen. She was a habitat of one of Minneapolis's beaches, a hidden beach of, on Cedar Lake. She and I eventually shot the photo for the cover there. And we also ended up having a son together, Carl." End quote. Now going back to the music, the band was so fast in writing new material. They were already playing some of the unfinished songs that would end up on New Day Rising. As they were still touring for their other album, Zen Arcade. And because of their work on that album and the ongoing rivalry between the band members, they had really developed their own musicianship and songwriting to create still somewhat straightforward songs, but with more interesting elements. But as I mentioned, the band wanted to go into a different direction than Zen Arcade. And compared to all of their previous work, they wanted to return to the sound of their very first records instead of what they had just released before. And this combined with the lack of production and friction with their producer, led to the raw and scratchy performances that is reminiscent of those early records. This does not mean that the band completely ignored their development in the more recent years, however. Because Husker Du had developed a certain sense of melodies and in a way could combine those poppier elements with the punk elements. And they did it so well that it created a whole new unique style. Pop punk, in a way. Now this unique style will become clear when we start looking at some of the tracks. And we of course got to start out with the opening and title track, New Day Rising. This album opens up with some ferocious, anxiety-driven and pumped up drums 
that communicates to the listener to strap in because this might get rough and might not be the same as you were used to from the previous record. And even though this song is so fast and loud with Mold and Hart's repetitive shouting, it still feels surprisingly melodic, to me at least. And I find especially through its backing vocals that are hidden behind the ever-going drumbeat and distorted guitars. Now this song clocks in at just over two and a half minutes. And I think this is a great exercise for Husker Du's unique sound. From here on we move to the next track, The Girl Who Lives on Heaven Hill. This song takes the tempo significantly down and really nails the pop-punk style, straying away from the band's original sound, surprisingly. And this does not mean that it lacks the power and rawness to it however, because this riff-driven, somewhat psychedelic Grand Hard song features bright but distorted guitars. Something that actually reminds me of some Britpop that followed in the following decade. Now this song's subject matter refers to the band's increasing alcohol use. As it mentions two separate brands of bourbon whiskey, Heaven Hill and Cabin Still. Now this is one of the tracks that Hart was having the most arguments over with producer Spot, but also with Bob Mould. Because this track originally featured a slide guitar but Bob Mould felt like it might have been too much as they also had a track that featured a piano quite heavily. And Hart was given an ultimatum to either remove that piano or to remove the slide guitar. Now Hart decided to take out the slide guitar but it turned out that Mould had already decided to have done that. Of course creating more friction and arguments within the band. Now, another story goes that Hart wanted to redo some of the vocals on his track, as you could hear lumber falling to the floor due to the ongoing constructions. But the producer's spot refused to do this, and he left this unpolished version in, which in a way, fits. This song also features a great solo done by Bob Mould. And seeing the difference between this song and the previous, once again, is a great way of showing how diverse their sound really is. Now this track is followed with 
one of my favorite tracks on the album called I Apologize. Now, if there would be any song, this is probably the perfect blueprint of what would become pop punk, which came into prominence in the mid 90s. And to quote a retrospective by blogger Patrick Smith of Ask the Pilots, quote, immensely poppy and immensely powerful with the slightest hint of heavy metal pretension. You almost hear Michael Stipe singing this one. The chorus is uncannily infectious in the style of the old REM songs of the same era. Unquote. Now, I must say I can definitely agree on this note that it combines the poppy and powerful elements perfectly well without any pretension. But I could not see uh, Michael Stipe of REM singing this song as much because of the much more explosive sound of Husker Du, especially on this track. But the melody is definitely there in this song, which might as well be an R.E.M. song in that way. Now, it might be a weird connection, but for some reason, this, um, the chorus of this song reminds me of the Friends theme song of I'll Be There For You. So I'm sorry if I ruined that for you. If I have to pick one more track, it is really difficult to pick one because in my opinion, there's a lot of great tracks to choose from. But I decided to talk about the song that takes a very interesting turn compared to the fast-paced and ferocious tracks that you've heard so far. And I think because it takes such a turn within the same song, I think it's really unique and worth noting. And this song was actually also released as a promotional single and was played on some college radios, but I don't think it really has seen as much mainstream success. And it's interesting because I think it really has a lot of potential because this track comes at you very loudly at first with very underproduced and off-key vocals which might scare someone when they first hear it. But halfway through the song, it all of a sudden really slows down and it becomes very intimate with an acoustic guitar and some beautifully sung vocals. And the song I'm of course talking about is Celebrated Summer. And for a band labeled as hardcore punk, a song like this was unheard of. And if we then look at the subject matter of this song, the turn it takes with the acoustic guitar and the way it's sung, it really adds to the nostalgic feel of looking back at the summers you had in your youth as you were drinking, playing music, and just celebrating summer with your friends. Then the sun disintegrates between a wall of clouds. I saw the where I went to laugh 
New Day Rising was released in January of 1985. It was received very favorably by the local scene, but also abroad, and even ranked on the UK independent album charts at number 10. Now, there were of course some critics who once again claimed they were selling out, if not fully going for their old hardcore sound, and being more mainstream and popier. But yeah, what can you do? Now, the album was also received well by critics, not just the scene, and they compared it to their previous record that was then described as very ambitious and overreaching. Meanwhile, New Day Rising was praised for its songwriting and claimed that, quote, these new songs could go up against anything on the radio and blow it away. Now there were some criticisms, uh, especially about Spot's production, or lack thereof, which limited the band for their true promise or potential. But still, the album was named by some critics as one of the best of the year. Now, with the success of this record and their previous record, the band had a lot to follow up after. And now that they fully and truly proved their success, they were also allowed a bit more freedom from their label. And for their next record, they were actually allowed to self-produce. And they started working on this follow-up album, Flip Your Wig, only a couple months after the release of New Day Rising. And compared to their previous records, they really took their time with this one. And this showed in the higher production quality and songwriting. And this album also turned out to be another great success for the band getting them a position into the mainstream and eventually being picked up by a major label, Warner Music Group. And this album, together with New Day Rising, was on the list of best albums of the year by The Village Voice. And this is very unique for an independent artist like Husker Du. Now, as they signed with Warner Music Group, the band was really able to get their music heard not just in the country, but worldwide. And they did this with the two follow-up albums, Candy Apple Grey and Warehouse Songs and Stories. The former of these featured probably their biggest hit, and the song that I got to know them from, Don't Want to Know If You're Lonely. Now during the tour of the latter album, Warehouse Songs and Stories, both creative and personal tensions started to intensify between mold and heart. And the catalyst for this was the band's manager, David Savoy's suicide. And because of him not being there anymore, Molden Hart had to take over the managerial duties. Now, of course, the tensions grew. There was a rivalry between the two. There was also major changes in the lives of the individual members that contributed to an eventual split during the tour. Because Hart tried to quit his heroin addiction during this time, Norton recently married and started a new business, and Mould quit his drinking habit. 
Now the members took a break from each other and also the area that they were from and really spent a lot of time apart in that sense. And they eventually came back together on January 26th of 1988 when they decided to officially split up. Now after this the members went the wrong way, some of them still recording both solo albums and starting new bands, including the groups Sugar and Nova Mob. The individual band members have also contributed as guests on other projects, including one of my favorites, ones I mentioned before, which was Bob Mould on the Foo Fighters track Dear Rosemary. Now in the years after their split, there have always been talks and questions and the members have been asked on multiple occasions for a possible reunion. And there was a good chance of this happening after 2015, which is when the band worked out a licensing agreement on their music and the communication between the members was more positive. However, on September 14th of 2017, Grant Hart passed away due to liver cancer. Now, on March 30th of 2019, it was the 40th anniversary of the first Husker Du show in St. Paul. And in celebration of this, Bob Mould played a concert in St. Paul. And he was supported by the band Porcupine, which features Greg Norton. Thus, there was somewhat of a reunion that people had hoped for, but sadly without Grant Hart. Now, if you look at the legacy and the influence that Husker Du has had on future acts, they are often regarded as one of the most legendary, influential and important bands in the hardcore scene, if not just overall indie scene. And they created music that made a link between the ferocious hardcore punk and the melodic college rock that was happening at the time and alternative rock that came somewhat after. And not only did they establish an example that it is possible for independent bands to make it into the mainstream, they also proved that punk can have melody, but still have a very powerful message behind it. Now, I think it is clear that a lot of artists were inspired by their music and sentiment, with a lot of alternative rock artists seeing a lot of mainstream success after. And there were bands like The Pixies, Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana who have all mentioned that Husker Du has been a major influence on their own music. And besides these alternative rock acts, I think that Husker Du also played a very important role in laying the groundwork for pop punk that became prominent in the mid 90s. And together with bands like Bad Religion, The Descendants and The Replacements, they truly created the blueprint for artists to come. And that's it for this week's episode. Once again, thank you so much for listening and following and subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't yet, please make sure to do so. You can do it on pretty much all of your favorite podcast platforms, the one you're listening on it right now. You can follow or subscribe and you will get automatic updates when a new episode becomes live. You can also tell your friends about the podcast, of course. You can share it on the internet. You can rate the podcast in some apps. If you do so, um, it would really help out getting the word out there. 
can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at 500albumspod, which is 500albumspod. Or you can email me with, um, yeah, anything you want. Questions, suggestions for the podcast, feedback you have, some of your favorite tracks, albums you're, list- you're looking forward to, albums that might not even be on the list, but that you really like me to listen to. Uh, you can all send that um, through 500albumspod at gmail.com. You spell that the same way as the uh, social media ads. So yeah, that's this week's episode. Next week, we'll be looking at number 486 on the list, which is She's So Unusual by Cindy Lauper. So make sure to listen to that album, and I'll see you then. Bye. <laughs>